Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to the Room 104 Podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. FM 104. Today's Tech Today. Sorry, I just happened to scan over a message that was sent last Friday about you doing your hair. Sounds very funny. What's it say? You blow dry your hair, Cormac. Best keep that to yourself. <laughs> no, I don't understand. When you get your hair done in the barbers. Don't be like it's okay. No, no, no. When, we when, are open here on this show. When, <laughs> okay. Listen, I'll tell you when you get your hair I was talking about when you get your hair done in the barber and they, they put the hair dryer over it at the end, it gives it a bit of a little little bit of extra volume. You, you think, like oh happy days and then the next day you're flat and you look like bits and <laughs> you hate yourself. You're like, Why does I go to that barber again? I hate my life. I think, like the message said, keep that to yourself. It's not cool. I don't care if it's because it's just it's, it's just what happens if whoever sent that in, who's from Dermot, if you get your hair cut, they will hair dry it as well. I've never seen a guy being hair dried all the time. So they just want to just blow the hair off you. But yeah, blow the hair off you, but not to to give you a bounce. <laughs> Not to give you a perm. Does every barber not have those grey machines you put over your head? They're the granny things. No, they, they don't they even have them in girls. They have them in barbers. What? You go in and get a cut and you sit on that for a while. It's like 10 minutes. Are you sure you're going to a barber's? And not going to a granny hairdresser's? <laughs> and then a small little woman comes and does my toenails. It's a barber. Standard. Sorry, interrupting you. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, we'll move on. What's going on in the world of tech? Well, the main story that's going on at the moment is the ransomware attack on the HSE. Horrendous. You have to be a bit of a scumbag during a pandemic to hold an entire health system uh, hostage and demand money off them. Reportedly asking for Bitcoin to the value of about 20 million quid. And usually what they do with these things is they come in and they completely lock all of your systems. So they lock the systems and then they you can only unlock them if you pay the ransom. And then they may or may not. You've no guarantee either. Like they're scumbags. They're not going to go. Oh, there you go. Job yeah. done. They don't have exactly have customer service. But um, <clears throat> well, people's appointments are being cancelled. People's procedures are being cancelled. But treatment. Uh, yeah, they can't people access. Are die. Uh, yeah, they can't access a lot of uh, medical records. Horrendous. So they're like absolutely strung out. And fingers crossed, they'll get it sorted. Apparently, the HC is now, and the guards are dealing with like the 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 FBI and different cybercrime units from around the world. Mm. I don't know if this is linked, but in the last couple of days as well. A hacking group has shut down an oil pipeline in the United States as well. So uh, this is where the world will be set on fire. We'll think it's a pandemic and a plague or nuclear war. It'll be lads at home on their laptops just causing havoc. Absolute havoc. So what's the situation now? Well, they're working to sort it out. Fingers crossed it'll be done. Turns out it is a, believed to be, a hacking group called Wizard Spider. Now, would they be based in Europe? In Russia. Okay. 
So apparently the Russian group would do hack. So they're over it called Wizard Spider, and they use this software, this attack, this program ransomware called Conti, which again will completely lock up all the data on your computer. So you'll just open it one day and it'll be locked, and you cannot do anything about it. You can't do a Control-Alt-Delete, you can't do an Alt-F4, you can't do anything, just locked. But what also this program does, it also will leak information. So what's happening now is these guys had a website where they would sell you the software, but also they have a website where they will sell the data that they have harvested off people. So obviously, you want to keep an eye on any dodgy text messages that you're getting over the next few days because it might be linked to the breach. I got a message yesterday, and I didn't click on the link, but I got a message yesterday that said, uh, we have received your order and it is now ready to be forwarded to your address. Follow the instructions here. I just didn't click on it because I'm like, that sounds a bit dodgy. It does sound dodgy, yeah. Now I'm getting, on average, three phone calls a day. Oh, are you? From numbers I don't know. Yep. I've stupidly answered one. It goes straight to an answer machine. Yeah. But like, it's constant and I block the numbers and they can still keep ringing. So I saw a friend of mine had put it up today saying that she's also getting a ton of calls from... Yeah, a lot of people are. Unknown numbers. And it could be related to that. Now, it could be related to something completely different as well. But anyway, Mm. what's the situation now? What's the story now? Uh, Still not back to normal. um, But the Russians have said that they will offer support if the Irish approach them. So the, the Russian government have said, listen, if, if you're having a bad time, give us a shout. Although I've heard other people comment saying that the Russians turn a blind eye to this international hacking, especially if it's at the West, because they don't really like the West. Mm. They don't like the Europe and America. They would see them as their enemies and they just let them cause havoc. So who knows that whether or not they'll... But I heard we're not paying that money. Not paying that money. No. And you'd be pretty annoyed, like, as well. If I was a nurse and they paid that 20 million quid, I'd be like, hang on a second now. I know, but at the same time, you, got 20 you don't million want people there dying. To, I pay the nurse, yeah. But I, the worry then is, you pay it, and then it happens nothing again. Happens. Yeah, or or nothing happens. You, you pay the 20 million, and, and they you, don't unlock the files. Yeah, yeah, They're just like, see, see you by now. Oh, so why yeah. would they have to? If you're going to be that scummy to lock up yeah. sick children's computer files in a hospital, you're not going to turn around and give them the money. No. Like, thanks for your money, you idiot. Good luck, see you, bye. So anyway, um, the guards are looking at details online. They're keeping an eye on dark websites where, um, or the dark web sites that uh, the information from the HSE might pop up on and fingers crossed to get sorted sooner rather than later but there you are now that's going to become a more common I'd say occurrence in the world scary scary indeed but listen we'll move on to something slightly weirder a gentleman has challenged Neuralink's monkey to a game of Pong now what am I on about Neuralink is Elon Musk's um, computer company and what he wants to do is build a human computer a brain-computer interface. What he wants to do is allow you to be able to control your computer via your brain. So to put a little implant or chip into your brain and mm. just by you thinking, you can move the mouse and move the page and have a load of commands and his dream is to obviously upgrade the human brain by putting more processing power into it, more, more memory into it and really get sci-fi and science fiction and merge man and machine. That's yeah. his goal. So what they've done recently is they put a brain implant into a monkey and the monkey is actually able to play Pong. With his brain. You know that game? It's like the weird weird. 2D tennis game back and forth. So the monkey's able to play this computer game using its brain implant. Yeah, which is a hell of a lot of weird. So it doesn't have to lift its arm, doesn't have to physically do anything, just... Using his brain. Using his brain. Purely inside. And using his mind. So uh, 
the monkey is able to do that right now, but a man who was involved in a car crash years ago uh, and he's paralysed from the neck down or the, the, the shoulders down, he has a brain implant as well, which has allowed him to play games like Sonic the Hedgehog uh, and other games online. He has basically thrown down the gauntlet and said, you know what, let me challenge your monkey to an actual game and uh, we'll see how it works. The guy's name, Nathan Copeland, said he was in a car crash a few years ago. He's got that implant in his brain that's helping him kind of uh, improve his standard of living and he wants to... It's a weird, it's like McGregor calling out Floyd Mayweather. It's now this man who's paralysed with the brain implant calling out the monkey saying, let's go head to head in a game of Pong. Which, I mean, could be interesting. Very interesting, yeah. I'd watch that. I'd watch a paralysed man taking on a monkey in a game of Pong. So would I. Amazing TV. So we're, we're, on, we're on the verge now of merging with machines. I don't know if you like that idea or if it terrifies you. It's, you know, it's happened before. It's started off simply I remember seeing a program where again a guy who was paralysed and couldn't really communicate they put it in and if he thought about left thought about the word left you know certain part of his brain would light up and they had the implant there anyway if he thought about left or right he could move a cursor on a screen left and right and then people would ask him are you hungry yes or right you you know ask a lot of yes no questions and he can but that's amazing yeah, you know, to to help people to communicate better. Yeah, yeah. So who knows? You could be merging with your iPhone or your laptop sooner rather than later. That's happening. There might be a a match between a paralyzed man and a monkey over a game of pong, just using their brains to control the computer game. Insanity. Uh, another thing that's getting a little bit uh, scary, right? Is remember we've we've talked a few times before about this. The Pentagon recently released footage that they say contains unidentified aerial phenomenon. They didn't say UFOs, but they said they've released footage from fighter jets and from ships of objects flying across the sea, and they have admitted that they have no idea what they are. You are dying for them to just admit. You know what? Yes, there is UFOs up here. Yes, they are going to kill us all. And you're, like, you're, <laughs> you're, you're just waiting for that moment. Here's the thing. In the last couple of years as well, and since that video has, there's been two particular videos that have come out, more videos on top of that have been released. And now a load of uh, Navy and military personnel and fighter pilots and people that worked in the military have again backed it up and said that, yes, we have loads of video footage of us seeing these things that we can't explain what they are. We don't know if they're Russian drones or Chinese military. We've no idea what they are. But it's getting a little bit more serious now because a retired US Navy chief master at arms, whatever that is, Sean Cahill now they call him Cahill we call him Cal Sean Cal how you doing Sean he went on uh, CNN recently and had an interview and he said there's tons more examples of the videos that the Pentagon released from the army saying we have got these videos and these things on radar we cannot explain what they are where they're from or how they're operating and some of them claim to defy the laws of physics and all that stuff but what he's worried about is there is a national security threat that they do not know how to deal with. And he's not talking about aliens. He's like, there's a big threat out here. It could be a foreign power. It could be North Korea with some weird magic balls that they've developed. And we've no idea what they are. So we've no idea how to defend ourselves against them. And uh, we need to do something about it. Oh, well, that's kind of scary. Mm, so yeah. just live in fear until um, <laughs> yeah. it either happens or we find out what it is. I mean, they've got a point. I know the military's always about worst case scenario and we need to blow it up before we even talk to it. But his big worry is there's numerous videos that have yet to come out that he says he's obviously seen over the years that people might have been afraid to come out and say, well, I saw a thing and I don't know what it is and it's acting mad and it looks like a UFO, but I'll be insane if I say it. He has come out to say there's loads of those and they're obviously, the United States is obviously not prepared. Good news. Great news for us. Great news. Yeah. So listen, we'll get over COVID and then the aliens will be here and we'll be enslaved. Can you imagine that? Oh Lockdown forever. What would be worse? 
I don't know. A pandemic or aliens on the loose? Oh, I don't know. It would take the aliens to be a bit of crack. At least it would mix it up a bit. Would it though? Because it's so new, we wouldn't have a clue. I know, yeah. Always wash your hands. Don't look at the aliens directly in the eye. Can we just have a 10 year break? I think we deserve, we deserve a 10 year break, don't just we? Ten, just 10 After years. After this now, we need a good decade of riding everyone around you and having fun. Yeah. And then that's it. And maybe uh, a boom. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. It probably won't happen, though. We'll all take loads of money out of the bank, buy houses, and then just go into huge debt again. <laughs> I feel like and 2008 all over again. <laughs> yeah. We'll, yeah, let's just go from 2001, 2002, have a few years of fun, and then lose it all. Yeah. That's all we want. Uh, anyway, that's it. He says, uh, this has been going on for years. The truth is just emerging. We had a massive intelligence failure, and we have unknown threat that we need to figure out. And that's from that former retired Navy SEAL commander person. So... It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a story that will continue to develop. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Mm. Uh, final story here this evening is very, very cool. Uh, it's in relation to new treatments that are being developed to treat cancer. Now, one of the problems you know with uh, cancer treatments like radiation and chemotherapy is that they just destroy your entire immune system. Yes. You know, if someone goes on chemotherapy, it destroys the cancer cells. It also destroys the healthy cells and a huge amount of problems with mm. that. So over in the University of Zurich, this is really exciting. They've modified a type of virus into to act like a Trojan horse when it comes to a tumour cell. So rather than having chemo just swimming around your body, what they've done is created this little vehicle and it knocks on the door of the tumour cell and the tumour cell goes, oh, you look fine, come on in. And then it lets it in and then there's little, uh, little genetic instructions inside the thing that goes into the cell and it causes the tumour cell to kill itself. Oh, Isn't that cool? That's very cool. They've basically taken a virus and they've hijacked the workings of a virus. And instead of putting things that make you get sick, they put things in it that makes your immune system act up or improve. And it actually makes the tumor cell kill itself. And the tumor cell can't recognize it. They're calling it the old Trojan horse attack. The tumor cell sees this thing coming up and it goes, this looks perfectly fine, safe, lets it in. And rather than you getting... Uh, chemo and being destroyed and knocked out there thinking that this is going to completely revolutionise cancer treatments that they'll be able to send up this little cell this little medicine it'll attack the tumour cell and get it to shut it down uh, shut it down completely instead of you know knocking you out totally so good news very very front. good news Yeah, it's called SHRED Shielded Retargeted Adenovirus it's a big fancy name anyway it could be probably one of the most important advances in cancer treatment that we've had in a hell of a long time. So, uh, fingers crossed that this opens the door to it rather than you getting sick and getting wiped out from having huge amounts of treatment and, and huge amounts of radiation that will attack a lot of cells and, and the chemo and, and other things. It's just going to trick the tumour cell into thinking that it's something safe to let in and then it causes the tumour cell to shut itself down, to kill itself, to destroy itself. Happy days. So, that's coming out from the University of uh, Zurich and who knows, we might be seeing better and more effective and safer and uh, safer cancer treatments sooner rather than later. I said that's from uh, that's from the University of Zurich who've done that. So Trojan horse approach, approach to uh, destroying. It's always tumor. nice to know that that work is going on. You know, even behind the scenes and you don't yeah. hear about it, that they are continuing to put, pump yeah, money yeah, yeah. in there. And, and one of the reasons I think it came... Um, it was helped a little bit by developing COVID uh, vaccines because the COVID vaccines use... A small part, they use a little spike from the COVID virus or the whatever it is, the, the coronavirus itself. So it's a similar kind of idea. They're taking a, a part of the tumour. They're taking an old virus that usually would do bad things to you and they're using it as a little delivery system 
but they're take, changing the payload and putting in uh, putting in some medicine that'll make the tumour kill itself. So job done. Happy days. If you see anything else that we should give a mention out to on Control Alt Delete, give us a shout. 087-6797-104. Ed Sheeran on the way. Now though, Mast Wolf. This is Astronaut in the Ocean. 7104. You're listening to the Room 104 Podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. FM 104. Mast Wolf, Astronaut in the Ocean, Cormac and Saoirse here on Room 104. Now, I don't know if you saw this, but outrage, outrage was created today online, and I think it's the only way news outlets know how to get traffic and clicks these days, but 20 years ago was the, the first release of, it's 20 year anniversary of Shrek, a movie I've never seen. I watched the first one in the cinema, absolutely loved it. I'm a huge fan of Shrek. I think it's a really, really good, funny film for adults and for kids, I'd say. Uh, now... 20 years, I suppose, is a long time for a movie like that. But someone who wrote an article for The Guardian today, a very reputable news source, uh, the Gordon D. Scott Tobias is the man's name. You know what? Even when I say that name, Scott Tobias, I know you're no crack. No, you're no crack. No. Scott Tobias. That's it. It sounds like a very privileged upbringing, a lot of money and an easy life. And he's a film critic. And sometimes those film critics are dead on the inside anyway. That's what I mean. I kind of feel... You're probably probably quite negative if you're yeah. a film critic. All of the film critics that I know who work in this country, if they say the movie is terrible, I actually know I'll enjoy it. Yeah, I swear to God, yeah. like, the movie's terrible. I'm like, ah, I'll enjoy that. I kind of do what the opposite of what the critics do because it's like they're too afraid to say it's good. I suppose. Yeah, isn't the job title to be critical and to kind of say this is a terrible movie? If they say it's terrible and you go in and you like it. They're better than you because I don't get why. Yeah, it's exactly. Bad. And yeah. then someone else will agree with them, and then they're like, "Oh, grand." Yeah, yeah. They don't even need anyone to agree with them because, like, you don't understand how the plot and the character development is so weak for this genre. Yeah, it's very cringe, actually. You know, <laughs> you can love movies, and fair enough, you can it's, critique them. It's kind them. of like a food critic. Yeah, I hate people describing food. It's just, just get the like, takeaway. Yeah, put it in your mouth and eat it. Yeah, don't be overcomplicating these things. Like, anyway, my mom would say, "Never eat with your eyes." You know, you look at food and you don't like the look of it. Just eat it. Put a sausage in your eye. (laughs) Sorry, mom. Did it again. But it's like it's not um, on the plate nice enough. Mm, The the peas are coming onto the potato. Eat it. (laughs) Shut up and eat. I hate... Actually, yeah, film critics. We're going to show them on Monday. Oh, we... Film critics and movie... Sorry, movie critics and food critics and wine critics and all that stuff. Anyone who has an opinion and goes too deep into... Yeah. Stuff we all enjoy. Just stop. You have get, to get a, a proper job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like being a critic is less of a job than this is. Yeah, literally. I have to watch a movie and give out about it. Wow. No, I'm going to watch a movie, and regardless, I'm going to give out about it so I can justify <laughs> yeah. having my job. Yeah, I'm a critic. I'm a critic. Sorry, that was a rant and a half. Anyway, moving, yeah. moving you on. Let, let it out. Let it out. I've just done it because they can be so annoying. Anyway, this guy Scott Tobias has come out and he basically said, uh, before you click into that, I just want to read the title of this Shrek oh, thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Because uh, here's the article, the, the article of the. Uh, that he wrote Shrek at 20 an unfunny and overrated low for blockbuster animation how dare he he said the fairy tale comedy was a hit with critics and audiences but it's toilet humour glibness and shoddy animation mark it out as a misfire have you ever I've never seen I've seen bits of Shrek I've never sat down to watch the whole movie or any of the movies and I know it's a bit of crack it is a bit of crack it's great crack and you know what it was really well made and it even stands to its time today if you were to watch that now you'd find it funny mm, yeah the, the animation's good like there's nothing that you can really fault it on to be honest and I think most people enjoy the film for what it is so listen 
But someone has come out. This man has come out, and, and a lot of people were very, very angry. And maybe you would be angry at hearing some snobby Scott Tobias saying that he doesn't like Shrek because he's better than you. And if you like it, you're actually dumb. But listen, let us know. Is there any unpopular like a TV or movie opinion that you have? Is there any movie or series that your friends love that everyone loves, and you just think is absolute pants? This is what I'm going to come out with, and you're going to hate me for this one. I do not like, never found funny, never liked The Simpsons. Never ever have I sat through a full episode. I do not get it. I don't like it. I don't like the humour. I don't like it as a as a TV show. So are you going to be writing an article in The Guardian tomorrow about The Simpsons? Yeah. Search along. Tomorrow in The Guardian. Listen, I have to take a quick break. Let me know. And let's just know the unpopular TV or movie opinion that you hold. What movie... That, that everyone thinks is amazing are you just like nah it's not for me I actually think it's absolute pants drop us in a whatsapp 87 back with music from Ed Sheeran Afterglow you're listening to the Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon FM 104 short bit from an article that pre- appeared today in The Guardian slating Shrek calling Shrek one of the worst movies of all time by a guy named Scott Tobias Scott Tobias, Scott Tobias. Very posh sounding name. Make of that what you will. Anyway, here's what it's thoughts. 20 years after Shrek was uh, released, here's what he thinks of it. 20 years later, that flushing sound seems to signify the moment when blockbuster animation circled the drain. Shrek is a terrible movie. It's not funny. It looks awful. It would influence many unfunny, awful looking computer animated comedies that copied its formula of glib, self-reference and sickly sweet sentimentality. Three of those terrible movies were sequels to Shrek, and one was a spin-off with Shrek in the work with a sequel in the works. The curse has eased, but not lifted. Wow, that is so unnecessary, so wrong. How shite does your life have to be to spend so long? And that's only one paragraph. It's a fairly long article, by the way. Like it's it's a couple of thousand words going on, just slating, absolutely slating Shrek for being unfunny and overrated. And I'm like. I kind of feel bad for that man. How dead, how shite must your life be if that's the type of stuff you need to spend your energy on? But, you but. have to remember, I'd say if you looked him up now, the films and TV shows that he slated go on and on and on and on. That's someone who's not just stopping at Shrek is what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah. Barry, though, has said Avatar. I don't get it. Fair enough. I can understand. Like, uh, Avatar... To, to criticise Avatar, it is just an amalgamation of two or three other movies. What was that one about was it Fern Gully did you ever see that movie Fern Gully so it's a mix of Pocahontas it's a mix of is it a The Land Before Time it's a mix did you ever see that Land Before Time movie is it a mix of that no maybe it's Fern Gully I think it's a mix of Fern Gully The Land Before Time and Last of the Mohicans so it's all of those three movies batched into one so there's nothing really original about the story but I remember seeing it in cinema going this is whop class I haven't seen that one now but there's uh, people just going back to Critics in general. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wine critics bugged the SHIT out of me. I can taste the cherry and strawberry. No, you can't. It's effing grapes. <laughs> yes. Thank you. And Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, anything Middle Earthy, I couldn't agree more. It's not my thing. I don't get it. But it's more, it's not my thing. I don't get it. As opposed to it being a terrible, terrible. movie. Yeah. Um, or a terrible show. Let us know your kind of unpopular TV or movie opinion. Like, what? movie or TV show that your friends lose their minds over and you're just like I just don't 
get it at all. 0876797104. I mean, the Middle Earthy stuff, I remember I hadn't watched Lord of the Rings for years. Mm. And I was like, oh, sure, go on, give us a go. And I didn't realise I borrowed my sister's DVD and it was the extended version of the DVD. So the first movie, the first movie in the cinema was long anyway. And the extended DVD version I watched and I was like, when, when does this... Does it end? And it was just, lads, nothing happened for hours on end. I was yeah. like, um, this is terrible. Didn't like it at all. Uh, Arbs has said, yeah, Game of Thrones, way too much fuss. Mm. Oh, I like this one. I'm so confused about why there was such hype about Bridgerton. It was great for easy watch TV, but the acting and storyline was so poor for me and I just couldn't understand why it was getting nominated for all these awards. Someone tell me what I'm missing because it has baffled me. Oh, I like that. That's interesting. Neve, thank you for sending that in. I've I actually haven't watched that, but loads of people recommended it one night that we were having a chat about what's good to watch at the minute. Is Bridgerton the one about the old royal stuff? Is that the series that's on Netflix or BBC about the Bridgerton, yeah. Slaves and royals and owners like maybe based in the 17 1800s, is it? Is yeah. that the one I'm thinking of? That's the one you're thinking of, yeah. Um and loads of riding in it. Is that the one? Don't know about the riding now. I haven't watched it. But typical you'd know that. <laughs> I have a list of TV shows. I'm like, does it or not have yes or no to the riding? We'll filter it that way first. I think that's Game of Thrones, isn't it? Yeah. Pretty much. Oh, okay, yeah, Game of Thrones, incest and riding. It's a bit of a weird combination. Uh, thanks for that, Neve. Anyway, oh yeah, Arbs. Uh, Leah, now, I don't agree with this. Father Ted is overrated. I never liked it. Ho. No. Ho. I think that says a lot Ho. about... Leah, you're dead inside. Your Please personality, doesn't it? Yeah. If you're a bit of crack or not now, Father Ted is epic. It's iconic, isn't it? It's a staple. I have never heard of anyone that dislikes that show. If you don't like Father Ted, get yourself checked out. Yeah, get yourself checked out. Arbs, yeah, Game of Thrones, way too much fuss. I you, know I don't like a... Simpsons. I don't like The Simpsons. I'm sorry. Listen, The Simpsons did get terrible. It got really, really, really bad. No, I never liked it. It used to be brilliant. Conan O'Brien used to write for them and loads of really, really famous writers and then they got absolute pants and then they started singing loads in it and you're like, what are you doing? No. I mean, compared to South Park, South Park is <laughs> constantly brilliant. Yeah. Never, ever have I seen a bad episode. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, so a lot of people saying Lord of the Rings, Avatar, Game of Thrones, series like that. Uh, Enrod, Ella, let us know. 0876797104. What is your kind of unpopular TV or movie <gasps> opinion? Oh my God. Father a message in there. Oh my God. Ted is shite. Who's that in from? Mrs. Doyle, you, you're in Father Ted. Mrs. You are Doyle. actually in Father Ted though. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What did I say to the people out there who don't like Father Day? How can you not like Father Day? Ah, uh, lads. Listen, any other ones, TV shows or movies that you just did not get, that you were like, why are people going mad about this? Let us know. Oh, it's seven six seven nine seven one zero four. Still to come on the show, a man who made and lost millions trading Bitcoin. Here is Ed Sheeran now after Glow F one four. You're listening to the Room one hundred four podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. FM one hundred four. For reports to be believed from uh, Crossy from the Strawberry Alarm Clock, he may be coming out with new music soon. Very exciting. Anyway, there you go. Mm. Uh, we're chatting about your unpopular TV and movie opinions. Someone came out in The Guardian today and on the 20th anniversary of Shrek being released, he just took a massive dump on it and said, it's not funny, it's overrated and it's a terrible, terrible movie. Caused a lot of outrage, but we just want to know series and movies and things like that that you just didn't get. Everyone loved and you're like, nah, not feeling it. Stephen has said, Tropic Thunder. Never got why people call that funny. I walked out of the cinema. Now, I just want to go to another message here that we got in. Dear John is another film I think should not have been made. Fair enough, yeah. They tried to redo The Notebook. You cannot remake a beautifully made classic. Are we talking about the same film? What, The Notebook? Is that, Arbs, is that what you're talking about? The Notebook's a comedy. Beautifully made? Classic. Notebook's a comedy. She keeps leaving him and stringing him along and emotionally abusing him for years. And he's like, ooh... I love you. And she's like, okay, I love you, but I'm going to sleep with your friend. <sighs> I wouldn't say that's a... What is Dear John, though? What's Dear John? I think, is that another romantic-y type one like The Notebook? I don't know. I'm not into rom-coms. I don't watch any of them. Yeah. No interest. I don't like Madey Up. <laughs> you don't like hope in relationships. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> It's all downhill. Yeah. Um, listen, it just sets you up for failure. I know. Yeah, no one's like that. Ideally, like maybe it. No, no, no. Not working. Did out. you ever notice their li- They've nothing else going on in their lives. Who? By the romance, like any of those rom coms. Their whole the whole yeah, storyline yeah. is based around the look. They don't have to work. They don't have any stress. They don't have any bills to pay. They don't have to. Yeah. Don't get a flat tire. Don't get sick. No. <laughs> Everything's perfect. They just I, have to work on love. I love this. Friends is a load of shit. Not even annoying, it's just... Not even funny, it's just annoying. Do you know what? I kindly, partially agree with you. I wouldn't be a huge fan of Friends at all. A lot of it works on... I can't remember where I saw this. What, the, the laughing? Yeah, the laugh yeah. track. Yeah, yeah. And like scientifically proven to show that the laugh track increases your belief that it's funny and enjoyable by yeah, like a huge amount. Because we're all sheep. We are all sheep, yeah. yeah. So we just laugh when they tell <laughs> us to laugh. <laughs> oh yeah, we're laughing now, are we? Yeah, yeah. 
get them laughing first and then hit them with the stuff, yeah. But no, I do agree. I would never have, you know, those households, like my mom would have friends on in the background all the time. She'd be yeah. ironing, she'll have it on. She's cooking, she'll have it on. I'd never go go for friends now. Not never. you, no? no. What would be your go-to? Do you know what I love? You know those detective program, programs, um, what is it? Um, border security. <laughs> I love yeah. it. What a show. Oh, it's so good. What's it called? That's not the, the Australian one. Yeah, it's border. Border control or border. I yeah, watch yeah. that 24-7. During the yeah. day and I'll whip that on and I'll watch like four episodes back to back. I just love when they're hiding cocaine in their hairpiece. I'm like, what? You're like, oh, look at her. She's guilty now. Yeah. And it's just some old lady from China trying to bring some fish over to her son. And she's like, oh, what's going on? Love it. Oh, uh, dear. Or The Chase. I never watched The Chase. Oh my God, I'm obsessed Tipping with The Chase. Point. Tipping Point. Tipping Point, The Chase. <sighs> what a show. Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? I'd watch that all day long. Tipping Point just reminds me of those machines they used to have in the Leisureplex that you went in with your 20 cents. Yes. And you're just addictive. You're like, oh my God. I know. Anyway, listen, on the way next, speaking of money, Bitcoin, uh, it's all the rage in cryptocurrencies, but um, are you going to make money from it or is it a big scam or what's going on? Our next guest will be talking about how they made millions and lost millions as well trading in Bitcoin. They're on the way next. You're listening to the Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. FM 104. It's Room 104. It's Cormac and Sir here now. What started off as a currency or something that you would usually just use to buy drugs off the dark web and the Silk Road website that it was set up years ago has now become much more mainstream. It's almost like everyone is doing it and it's a fashion staple that people are like getting nice shoes, a nice car and making sure that you have some form of cryptocurrency or you're not modern at all. Well, some someone who went down the rabbit hole and made a hell of a lot of money from cryptocurrencies and lost a hell of a lot of money again from doing that joins us now on the line to talk about his very, very interesting story and where he is now and can maybe shed some light onto this whole area if you've constantly heard about cryptocurrency in the news and you're like, I have no idea what it is. What is a meme coin? What is a, a, a Doge coin? What is Bitcoin? All of that stuff. Uh, will be explored and answered because we are delighted to welcome onto the show now uh, Peter McCormick, sir. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Yeah, we're doing good. Um, Peter, can you just take us back? How did you get into this? Tell me about your story, really. Well, it, it was exactly as Cormac was saying. It was like back in 2017. Uh, actually, it was back in 2013. One of my friends told me about a website you could buy drugs from and uh, you needed a single Bitcoin. It's called the Silk Road. I was like, what? <laughs> He said, yeah, it's like Amazon. You can buy drugs and you need Bitcoin and all the dealers are reviewed. So I was buying uh, drugs on the Silk Road. Uh, kind of ignored it after a while. And uh, and then back in 2017, uh, I was in Ireland with my uh, my parents and uh, discovered it again and went on a bit of a roller coaster journey. I mean, this story of making and losing money is quite an old story. It happened in uh, back in 2017, 2018. Uh, I've made a lot more money again, so I'm not broke. So when, when this kind of kicked off, how... how- because I've chatted to some people or know friends of friends of people, you know, these urban legends of the Silk Road. And I've seen the website before. I think it's taken down now. And it's exactly what you said. It's like an eBay or an Amazon for drugs and for guns and for fake passports. And it was so unbelievable. Uh, and I just know I'd say 90% of people would be terrified to ever put in an order because then they'd be like, the police will just show up on my doorstep. But were you successfully able to get drugs delivered over the over the internet? Yeah, and a lot of them um, because there was just a simple set of rules. Uh, and one of them was you just didn't put your real name on the postage. So you had the address, not the name. And if it turns up, you say, well, it's, it's not me. I'm I'm not John Turner. I'm Peter McCormack. Um, but also the, the dealers didn't want their uh, produce being confiscated. So they would vac seal and they would put them in Amazon packs. Uh, and 
and that was the rediscovery back in 2017. My my mother was in uh, Sligo Hospital. She was she was dying from cancer, and we wanted to get her cannabis oil to help with her treatment. And so I just explained how the dark web worked to my dad. Bought some Bitcoin. We bought some cannabis oil. The interesting thing about the dark web is lots of people think about the Silk Road as this like awful website for drugs. But actually, uh, I see it completely different. Completely differently. I see it uh, as a website about freedom and liberty and being able to do what you want. The the government said I couldn't treat my mother with cannabis oil because under their rules uh, you know a group of uh, idiots in uh, parliament says that we're not allowed to do this i was like well fuck that i don't care what you say my mum's dying i'm getting her this so i always saw the silk road as a website of liberty and i'm now i i know uh, the the creator ross albrick who's sadly in prison for the rest of his life and i know his mother quite well she's we've become very good friends oh, yeah were you ever ever afraid that it was all going to go tits up for you and you were going to get caught and you were going to be in serious trouble no, I never cared. I mean, to be honest, it was a much better way of buying drugs than going to Tesco and you know, waiting for someone to turn up. And would they turn up? And when they do turn up, what did they supply? You know, was it cut with something else that would make you ill? The, the truth is drug prohibition has completely and utterly failed. The war on drugs has completely failed. Nobody's, nobody doesn't do drugs because there's a law against it. Uh, but what it has done is increase risk and violence in the system. I think if you look to the US as a model, the legalization of cannabis or the decriminalization in most states hasn't seen the world collapse. Actually, what you've seen is the professionalization of the industry. And you now have places where you can go, you can get your cannabis uh, in all different types and forms, you get consulted. And, and I simply feel like that should be the way for, for most drugs. And uh, you can provide much better rehab programs for people who, who maybe become addicted to drugs. But the, the war on drugs has completely failed. And we're also seeing in the US now that there's consideration for mushrooms. There's treatment of uh, soldiers with PTSD with uh, MDMA. So I think we're moving to a new world where we've realized a prohibition is both dumb uh, and infringement on liberties and a complete failure and leads to more death and violence. We've chatted to people before who, who are, you know, researching using MDMA for, as you said, stress and different disorders and alcoholics and alcoholism as well. And really, really uh, interesting. But how did you go then from using it for those reasons to kind of help treat your mother in, 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 in a small way to then getting a bit more seriously involved into Bitcoin? Because I mean, I think every second person you talk to right now is always like, oh, are you getting any Ethereum? Are you getting any of this coin, that coin? But how did you transition into doing this a little bit more seriously? Well, so that was early 17. So after mum had passed, uh, you know, it's like in Ireland, it's two days and then you have a funeral. So I was sat there for 24 hours. And I was like, well, we have some Bitcoin left over. I'll go and sell it and give my dad the money back. And I was on the Coinbase website and I was just reading about this other thing, Ethereum. And I was out of work at the time. I was like in between jobs. So I was like, whatever, let's take a look at this. And I had some money in the bank. I put 25,000 pound in, bought a bunch of Bitcoin and a bunch of Ethereum. And then Ethereum started to rocket and Bitcoin was going up. So then I just divested into, I don't know, maybe 50 different altcoins. And for most of that year, it was just, it was up like a rocket ship. I think by about November, I was up to about 1.2 million different cryptocurrencies I owned. <laughs> and for someone who doesn't really know anything about cryptocurrency, could you have taken that money out and had it as cash? Like, was were you worth a million at that stage? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, at any point I could have sold it. Maybe you wouldn't have the liquidity to hit exactly 1.2 million. But yeah, you could. You could sell it. I didn't see it ending. I didn't. I just felt like this This was a, a revolution in technology and blockchains were going to save the world, blah, blah, blah. The, the, the narrative that was spinning at the time. So I was, you know, I've, I was like full set on, you know, one million is not enough. 
come on, five million or whatever. <laughs> so I was just being greedy and a bit of a moron and uh, chasing it up. Yes, yeah, sorry, just jump in there just before we talk about the inevitable crash that's coming. A good, great part of every story. How many months did it take for the thirty grand or the twenty-five grand to go to one point two million? I started in January. I mean, I was buying in January and February and then traded from February up to, it's about November. I mean, it was a long time ago, so I can't remember the exact dates, but I do remember December of that year, I was at Center Parks with my dad and my kids. And my dad was like, look, you should take some money out now. You can buy a couple of houses. And I was like, yeah, no, it's a good idea. So I'd, I set up my laptop and I was about to go and sell. And my daughter came running over. She was only about, I don't know, four or five at the time, bumped into the table and I had a glass of red wine and it fell onto the laptop. It fried the laptop. So I didn't have, I was like, oh, I can't do it now. I'll do it when we get back in a few days. And look, I never did. And you know how this story went. Oh, like it actually kills me to even hear this. So then what did happen? Well, look, the market crashed. But the thing is like on the way up, uh, it crashed a few times as well. Like, you know, 30% crashes in cryptocurrency uh, prices are, are quite regular. So come January, it crashed 30%. I thought nothing of it will come back, uh, but it didn't. It just kept going down. I'd also invested a load of money in Bitcoin mining equipment and a bunch of other stuff. But I mean, the short version of the story is that that 1.2 million within, I don't know, by mid-2018, I think at my lowest point, I got I was about sixty thousand. Yeah, a hefty tax bill indeed. Um, but like that, it must have been some sort of roller coaster um, of a ride because I can't imagine. I don't know if I would have had the the the, the staying power to see it up to one point two million. But it, it's that kind of thing, isn't it? As you said, you never really know when it's rocketing up when you should sell because, as you said, you got to one point two, you're like, you know what, at five million, then I'm going to exit. But then you probably would have got to five and said, no, no, at ten million. Then we're getting out. So that must have been a, a roller coaster of emotions, as they say. Yeah, but but I had a target. The five million was based on the fact that I, I wanted to buy. This could sound so dumb, right? I, I wanted to buy Bedford Town Football Club. I, I live in a shit town with a shit football team. Like we're the worst. We're in the lowest of lowest leagues. So I'd sat down with my friend and like we mapped out buying them and getting them into the football league. And I was, we we figured it was a five million pound project. So I was like, get to five million. I'll take all the money out and we'll plow it all into a football. Like I'm always going to earn okay money. I've got like experience in marketing. I don't I don't need a big house or stupid stuff. Yeah, so 5 million was the target and then obviously that didn't happen and uh, it all crashed down. But look, I had so much fun that year. You know, I was prior to uh, investing, I was in between jobs, you know, didn't have a, a huge amount of money, didn't know what I was going to do with myself and then within 3 months I'm flying first class to America. I'm spending weeks in LA hanging out. I buy myself a watch and a car like you know, I, I lived a, a pretty cool life that year. I had a lot of fun, you know, financially irresponsible, but a lot of fun. And so now where are your thoughts on cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, all the rest of it? Is it dangerous? No, no. I mean, it, it depends how you look at it. Uh, it's it's a casino for sure. Most, I mean, look, there's two things. There's Bitcoin and then there's shit coins. Like everything that isn't Bitcoin is a shit coin uh, because they're dumb. They make no sense, really, logically. I mean, there's some some arguments around Ethereum, but Bitcoin itself is sound money. Arguments around Bitcoin, uh, every single argument against it has been pretty much debunked these days. Uh, we're living in a world of uh, massive money printing by central banks and government, and we're seeing inflation hit. Um, we've just seen the CPI in the US it's been creeping up. I think it's like 4.8% now. We're seeing inflation. Bitcoin is a fixed uh, supply currency of 21 million coins. It cannot be inflated. It is a hedge against inflation. It is also money that can't be censored or seized. Um, and it is, to some extent, uh, a, a, a 
global form of money. I'm like, I'm calling you now from El Salvador and I'm in the place called El Zonte, which has had an explosion in Bitcoin. I have a global currency. I can go and buy, I, I actually can go and buy a, co- a cup of coffee and send Bitcoin over the Lightning Network and pay them. And uh, this is raising the living standards of people in El Salvador. So it is an important f- form of global currency. Anybody ignoring it is is ignoring reality, is ignoring a revolution. And I, I, I'm, I'm a big supporter of Bitcoin. I have the biggest Bitcoin podcast in the world. I've dedicated my life to it. I've made films about it. Everything else is just, you can go and trade it. You might make some money or you'll lose some money. But if you're not stacking sats and getting on the Bitcoin train, you're, you're missing out in the fundamental change to how money works in this world. And, and ultimately, do you think that's where it's going to go? Because I know, you know, governments and central banks like their control and regulation and are maybe scratching their heads about what to do with Bitcoin. But do you ultimately think that Bitcoin and digital currencies will become the norm and cash and cash currencies will be gone in 10, 20, 30 years? Look, the timeline is hard to predict. I think there'll be two types of money that we're going to uh, converge on. It's Bitcoin and CBDCs, which are central bank digital currencies. It makes sense for central banks to issue these. They can provide greater surveillance. They don't have to ma- manage uh, physical cash, which is a problem. Um, it's it's the uh, authoritarian's wet dream. Uh, but there are freedom fighters and freedom lovers who want Bitcoin. Uh, what I would do is I'd put a question to you. If you offer two forms of money, one that you get to hold yourself that cannot be seized by the government and that cannot be inflated by the government, cannot be debased, and that you can send to anybody you want in the world and receive funds? Or do you want a form of money whereby it's issued by the government and they can take it from you when you want, they can sense who you can send it to, and they can inflate it and and debase your uh, buying power with your hard-earned income? Which form of money would you want? I have uh, uh, pretty much 100% of my money in Bitcoin. Uh, I hold eight weeks cash flow for business and personal in pounds just so I can operate my business and pay my mortgage. Everything else is in Bitcoin. And and that's proved to be a very wise decision. And as, as you travel the world and you look at the kind of crappy behavior of central banks, you look at the incompetence of our, all of our governments you know, <laughs> universally around the world, the Bitcoin thing just makes sense, but you have to do the work. You know, you can listen about Bitcoin, you can hear about ransom attacks, and you can hear about uh, uh, the, the challenges like people make with regards to is it environmentally unfriendly you can listen to all that nonsense and go ah oh, you know i'll just pass it by or you see the price at fifty five thousand dollars and you think you've missed the boat but you just haven't done the work I and mean, if you go and do the work you will see that bitcoin will go to a hundred thousand dollars and it will go to a million dollars people converge on the best form of money and the best form of money cannot be debased i say if you haven't got bitcoin uh, what the hell are you doing send me get it get an address and i'll send you some <laughs> we'll talk later once we're off air we'll be what, what's going on let's sort this out um Right now, though, the whole, uh, as you mentioned, that there's the Bitcoin and then everything else is, is a shit going. There seems to be an explosion in cryptocurrencies. And uh, even for the last year, maybe especially in the last two years, so many people I know that would have never invested in anything, don't have a pension or savings, are now mad for cryptocurrencies. And, and they're going, it's, it's a bit like the Wild Wild West at the moment, is it? And is, I suppose there's, there is a risk there because you, obviously you mentioned at the start, a bit like a casino, but I'm sure some people are going to get badly burnt and be taken away for a bit of a ride with some of these. Yeah, they will be. You know, when the rug's pulled, they will be. All these people pumping money into Dogecoin. You know, when people realize there's zero developers working on it and it has little to no use, uh, the rug will be pulled, the uh, the rich bag holders will exit, and people will be left holding something that's worth less and they'll lose money. That isn't the case with Bitcoin. Bitcoin will see a drawdown. Ultimately, Bitcoin, if you follow the long-term tra- trajectory of it and you're patient and you put the put the time in, you know, it's it's the soundest investment of the lot. If you want to be a trader, you want to gamble, then go and trade these these shit coins. But ultimately, they don't have a use case. They're centralized. Uh, they aren't an exit from uh, government fiat currency. Uh, and the problem that most of them are is like, 
if you could, if you had a money printer, if you can suddenly create a money printer in your bedroom and start printing money, would you? Of course you would. We all would. And this, this is all these shit coins are. They're just people who are greedy and they want to make money. They want to sell uh, scams. They want to sell blockchain blockchain dreams. And they spend some of that. People trade it. They pull the rug and they run away. Whereas Bitcoin was created by Satoshi Nakamoto. He's essentially one of the richest people in the world. He hasn't spent a single dime of his Bitcoin. Like he's left everything there. And he exited the project because his goal was to create money that government can control that would end central banking. And uh, I would say, put the work in, be patient, think long-term and uh, Bitcoin's where you should have your money. And where do you see it developing then in the next kind of 10, 20 years? Next 10, 20 years. Well, look, we will have a battle between Bitcoiners and central banks and governments. Governments like surveillance, governments like control, governments like stealing from us. There's no uh, benefit to, to, to the government for people having Bitcoin. So they will continue to try. It's kind of like the thing about Bitcoin is kind of inevitable. You only want to hold the best form of money. And the best way to explain this, listen, I've been out to Venezuela right uh, spent a lot of time there under the uh, you know they're under a maduro post chavez regime and they have probably the worst money in the world and when you get there they don't they don't want bolivars they don't want bolivars that's essentially a shitcoin itself they want dollars they want crisp dollars or they want bitcoin because they know there's mo- their money's worthless they know that because they've gone through hyperinflation we're going through what i would say is slow cynical inflation two percent three percent four percent so much so that you don't really think about it but our wages going up two three four percent no so we we're having our uh, uh purchasing power slowly debased if, if you go to a place where they you know argentina is another example turkey right now zimbabwe any of these countries what they've seen massive inflation they don't want their local currency i see the writing on the wall for the dollar the pound the yen the euro and I've moved everything into Bitcoin because of that. Um, and then obviously, before we let you go, I appreciate you giving up your time. If you've just tuned in, we're chatting to Peter McCormick. He, he runs one of the world's biggest uh, Bitcoin podcasts and has had a roller coaster of a ride over the last couple of years. But you are, so you mentioned you're back, obviously you're back investing, but have you had a, you've had growth over the last number of years and you haven't lost at all then? No, no, no. No, I'm in a way better position than I was. Yeah, you know, I've got a, my podcast does very well. I've managed to move that a lot into Bitcoin. I wish I had the Bitcoin I had back. If I had the Bitcoin I had back in 2017, I would be worth over 10 million, which would be <sighs> lovely. But it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. But it, it, you know, sometimes getting wrecked and losing all your money is a real good teacher. Uh, I'm much more conservative and disciplined with my um, investing now. And uh, yeah, it's uh, we're in a very different place, but. If anybody wants to find out a little bit more, uh, where's the best place you would tell them to go? I would say go and listen to my podcast. It's called What Bitcoin Did. It's at whatbitcoindid.com. I'm on Twitter at Peter McCormack. My DMs are open. Reach out to me. Got any questions? Happy to help. Brilliant. Well, uh, Peter, thanks a million for giving up your time this evening. Go check out his podcast and find him online as well for more uh, for more info. Explore that whole topic because it's going to be, it'll be here for the foreseeable future anyway. But listen, man, thanks a million for popping on F104 tonight. Thanks for having me. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.